What if you could have a career where the opportunities are as vast as our nation, where it's not about mission statements, but a shared mission? At U.S. Customs and Border Protection, we go beyond to protect more than borders. From ship to shore, air to ground, cities to local communities, CBP agents and officers are keeping people safe. Join U.S. Customs and Border Protection and go beyond for something far greater than yourself. Learn more at cbp.gov slash careers. Blog Talk Radio. from the internet seeing some of the uh artist renditions of some of the uh the things uh like the grandstands and 
and stuff like that. And I'll tell you what, it looks like what they want to do down there is certainly fantastic. It'd be fantastic for the sport. But, you know, this has been an ongoing thing with the state of Georgia. I mean, they've been, you know, close to getting horse racing, paramutual wagering for a long time. And, and uh, you know, for some reason or another, it just doesn't seem to happen. But it sounds like that it's closer than it ever was before. And, you know, Georgia's like a lot of other states, Mike, where they can use the tax dollars and they can use the revenue. So hopefully this will be the time. Yeah, definitely. I was reading the story, and I see the committee made one change uh, to the bill on Wednesday, uh, stripping a provision uh, that would give $15 million in racing proceeds to uh, the need-based HOPE scholarships. And they are concerned that without that provision in there that that, uh, that may hurt the bill just a little bit. But uh, definitely a uh, first hurdle has been cleared. And the second breaking news story that we have is uh, Wiggle It Jiggle's caretaker, Mike Taylor, has been named the Ushua Caretaker of the Year. And I'll tell you what, Mike, I was there at the Little Brown Jug. I've seen how Wiggle It Jiggle It can act in the winter circle. I'll tell you what, he has saved a lot of lives. Well, you know, we've talked about it time and time again on this show, Mike, about how a lot of the unsung heroes back there don't get the credit that they deserve. A lot of the caretakers back there and the grooms that are actually with the horse on a daily basis that, you know, get up at 4 or 5 in the morning and go feed and, and uh, clean and, and, you know, really become the horse's best friends. These guys and gals don't get a lot of the credit they deserve, so it's good to see my man Big Mike getting some love. Yeah, definitely. Well, Mike, do you want to tell everybody who's going to be on the show today? We've got a fantastic show lined up for you, Mike. We've got the leading Chicagoland area driver, Casey Leonard. He's going to be joining us in just a few minutes. We also have uh, track announcer Peter Galassi, one of the legendary track announcers, in my opinion, one of the guys that I grew up listening to. And, you know, Mike, we've we've all had our guys that we grew up and kind of inspired us and listened to and, we you know, taken us under our wing. And Pete's that guy for me, so it's going to be a very, very – uh, emotional interview for myself. We also have Rob Keys, the CEO and founder of Conversion, very instrumental in the social media initiative that the U.S. Trotting's uh, been doing over the last couple of years. We'll talk to him about that. And the first of a four-part series with Winnie Morgan Nemeth of New Vocations. Uh, she'll be talking about what New Vocations actually does. So it's a very, very good show, a jam-packed show, Mike, and I'm looking forward to it. All right, Mike. Well, we're going to take a quick, quick time out. When we come back, uh, Casey Leonard will be joining the show, and Casey Leonard is one of the leading drivers in Illinois at this current moment. We're going to hear from our sponsor, Friends of Maryland Standard Breads, and also we're going to hear from Essential Touch. Don't forget, you can still save 20% off just by letting them know you heard it right here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be right back. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is an industry support group focused on promoting harness racing in Maryland. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads works hand-in-hand with charities involving children and horses, such as the Harness Horse Youth Foundation. Friends of Maryland Standard Breads is actively involved with organizations such as the Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Did you know a MagnaWave treatment can relieve pain? reduce inflammation, improve movement, and increase blood oxygen? Call Maria Ringler, a certified MagnaWave practitioner, at 302-922-0917 to schedule your appointment today at your own barn. Like our Facebook page, The Essential Touch LLC, and check out our website, TheEssentialTouchLLC.com. 
catch the wave. All right, we're back both time with Mike and Mike. Mike Bozich, Mike Carter on this Thursday afternoon. We're joined now by the Chicagoland leading driver uh, currently at Hawthorne in this Hawthorne Racing meet, Casey Leonard. Casey, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Thanks for having me. Casey, uh, Hawthorne race course. Uh, we're in day 15 of the meet coming up, and, and uh, obviously you're doing a fantastic job. Tell us a little bit about the difference in this long stretch between Hawthorne and, in particular, Balmoral Park? I did not know that it was – I don't know if it is that much longer, but it sure seems like it's a lot longer, especially when you are on the front for the entire mile. It seems like they really get worn out fast. Uh, that Without an open stretch, I think, it, I think that's better for mile racing not to have an open stretch, but that stretch can seem like it goes on forever. You know, Casey, I got to tell you, and, and, you know, I've been to Hawthorne. I've grown up around this area, and, of course, I'm at Harris Philly now, which is a five-eighths of a mile track and kind of a short stretch, actually, for a five-eighths. But um, I'll never forget the first time I came up to the announcer's booth, and, of course, I come with these, you know, binoculars. And I'm, I, I, so I step into this booth, and I look down the stretch, and I'm like, my goodness, how in the world am I going to call this? I mean, this stretch from up here seems like it is a it is two miles down the road. Now, have you noticed um, or have you adjusted kind of, is there any track bias going on? I mean, is it is it better to be near the lead or is it better to be far back or is it better just to kind of be like in the middle somewhere, you think? I know amongst us drivers talking behind the scenes, it is a very, I can't imagine trying to handicap it because it does not seem to hold up to any rhyme or reason. There's been a couple nights where it seems like you had to be close, but then it seems like there's other nights where if you're even if you use your horse at all before the three eighths, you are absolutely toast by the seven eighths. So I, it seems to me that you got to be somewhat close. You can't sacrifice a lot of a lot of ground, but it, it certainly it seems like if you use your horse hard early, you really have trouble hanging on light. Now, Kate. Hello. Mike, you there? We must have lost Mike Carter. Casey, tell us a little bit about how you got started in the business. Uh, you know, I remember from uh, watching Maywood and Balmoral growing up when I was a kid in, in Hawthorne and Sportsman. Of course, the Leonards have been around for quite a while. Tell us a little bit about how you got started in the industry. Well, I'm third generation. My grandpa started it. Uh, he actually first traded cattle on the stockyards in Chicago, and when they dried up, he started dealing horses and he kind of fell into standard breads, and then they bought a couple. And my uncle, actually, when he was still in high school, got a couple nice ones. And my dad was going to go to school, and he saw my uncle making all this money with these horses, so he decided that that's where he was going to go. And then they ended up training a few, and, you know, it kind of just took off. And with my grandpa still trading, that it, they had a steady flow of new horses coming in, and it was, you know, Chicago land. There was four or five, six tracks you could race at at the time. So, it was, you know, there was a lot of opportunities, and they, they bought the farm that we still have today in 77. And then uh, I actually was not going to race horses. I went to college and graduated, and 
I had a job for a year, and then unfortunately my uncle passed away, and my dad asked if I would come home and help on the farm, and I agreed to it, and then I uh, reluctantly started driving. Now, is driving horses something that you kind of wanted to do when you grew up? I mean, when actually did the driving bug kind of hit you? I actually never wanted to drive horses. I That was the farthest thing from any of my goals or aspirations. I, uh, Like I said, I reluctantly started taking drives. I did drive a little bit of my own, but even in the 2008 meet, the majority of our horses I had, uh, Dean McGee was actually my main driver, uh, I just, I never really, I, for one, we, I had, I'd just gotten married and I knew that it would be a big commitment to not be at, uh, home every night with driving and it, it just, uh, I eventually couldn't turn down the opportunities because of there, you know, there was a lot of money to be made in it, so. I started driving, I knew, like I said, it'd be a full-time commitment and that's why I kind of went, when I finally decided to do it, I wanted to make sure that was, uh. That was what I was going to focus on, and it, you know, it's, it's worked out very well for me. Visiting live with Casey Leonard. Casey, of course, the leading uh, Chicago Land driver, currently uh, racing at Hawthorne Racecourse. Now, uh, Casey, do you ever see yourself like right now? We've got this uh, harness racing meet. It's the harness, the uh, winter harness racing meet going to uh, come to a stop here on February sixth, and then we'll be back in action in May. Casey, do you see yourself maybe in these next couple of months? Uh, seeking drives elsewhere, maybe going uh, somewhere else uh, in the United States? Uh, my little brother, Ross, currently has a string of horses in Indiana. He's been there for quite a few years and done well. And We have some Indiana-bred babies that we're going to be trying to train down and make a little money with this summer. So we'll, uh, I'm going to go over there in the spring and help him get those trained down and then maybe race a little bit and drive a little bit there. But then once Hawthorne opens back up, I'll be here. Uh, if things don't work out in Illinois and start looking better, no, I probably would start looking for a job around here because I have no intentions of moving my family to race horses. Yeah. Let's, uh, what do you think the dream race would be for a, a Casey Leonard to win? The dream race. Oof. I would have guessed it would have been the Windy City Pace, but I don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Visiting once again live with Casey Leonard, leading Chicago Land driver here, uh, doing a fantastic job at Hawthorne. Now, Casey, I watch you guys drive. Even even when I'm not calling the races here, you know, obviously I watch. You know, this is where I grew up, and I watch a lot. You know, via simulcast and and on the computer, every opportunity I get. You know, this uh, driving with these group of guys. Do you do you get a sense of some of their tendencies, like you know guys like you know Bobby Smolin and some of the other drivers out here? Do you kind of know as the race develops, or kind of get a feel of what they're going to do and plan your strategies during the race accordingly? Oh, absolutely. I think that's the case anywhere you go. Well, and I think it's more the horse's tendency. You know, when you drive on a circuit like this where you're kind of landlocked where there's not a whole lot of other places to go we race against the same horses week in and week out so you know a lot of their tendencies which ones like to bear out which ones bear in which ones struggle in the turn so you you know that's more how i try to race than i do actually the driver Uh, i mean i think a lot of drivers i think it's a great advantage to be predictably unpredictable so it's a 
I think it's more the tendency of the horse. There's certain horses that we know that race in every week that uh, you know what they have to do or what you know what their capabilities are. And one final question for you, Casey: How do the horses seem to be taken to the Hawthorne Surface? Uh, I think the track crew did a pretty good job. I, I think you know, there, of course, there's going to be some growing pains with trying to turn the track over and with that horrendous weather. But it's a, uh, I think they're doing well. I think most of the horses are holding up pretty well on it. All right. Well, Casey Leonard, we certainly appreciate you joining us. And anybody that wants to watch Casey play his draft, uh, craft, you can watch us here at Hawthorne Racecourse all the way until February 6th. And, of course, they'll be back in May for an outstanding five months. Uh, it's certainly going to be a very, very good season here in the Chicagoland area. Casey, we certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend, and we'll see you tonight. Okay, Mike. Thank you. All right, that was Casey Leonard, the leading driver so far in the Hawthorne Racecourse meet. And uh, Mike Carter, you back with us? You back on planet Earth? Yeah, my computer crashed. So, uh, oh, excuses. Panic, you know what? Listen. The, the, so, so in other words, the technical gaffe happened to you this time and not me. <laughs> that, that, that's right. I was scrambling for my phone because you know I'm, I logged in as the host, and so I'm scrambling for my phone and trying to write the code down so that I can get back in. So, if you missed any of that interview, uh, it will definitely be on the archive. I'm not sure if it continued on air or not, but. Uh, well, one thing about that interview is if, you, if you're tuning in an interview to hear Mike Carter, you're not going to be hearing Mike Carter because Mike Carter was, was off in the, uh, the abyss of the Internet land somewhere. <laughs> well, listen, Mike, I, uh, you know what? I, I'm glad it happens to other people, not just me. Uh, so yes. we'll give you a pass on this one like you've given me millions of passes before. And we'll take a time out. When we come back, we've got Rob Key coming on, the CEO and founder of Conversion, very instrumental in the social media initiative uh, for the U.S. Toronto Association. So we'll find out what's going on with that and much, much more. You've got Post Time with Mike and Mike. Stick around. This week on the Trotcast with Ryan Macedonio, my guest is Meadowlands owner Jeff Gorell. I asked Jeff to give me the inside info on how the deal came about on how he acquired the Meadowlands. Here's his response. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. Find that episode and all of the other episodes of the Trotcast with Ryan Macedonio on the Harness Racing Fan Zone, the Harness Racing Fan Zone app, SoundCloud, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, and iTunes. Post time with Mike and Mike would like to invite you to join us in positively promoting the sport of harness racing. Our advertising rates are extremely reasonable, and if you sign up for a one-month sponsorship package now, you get one week free. free. That's right, one week free. free. For more information on how you can sponsor Post Time with Mike and Mike, please email us at ptmikeandmike at yahoo.com. Also, follow us on social media on Facebook, Post Time with Mike and Mike. Also on Twitter at ptmikeandmike1. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter alongside of Mike Bozich. And joining the program now is Rob Key from the USTA. He's also the CEO of Conversion. Rob, welcome to the program. Thanks, guys. Good to be here. Now, Rob, uh, how did you uh, – we're going to start first with how you got into racing. Uh, how did you get into the racing side of the business, and uh, how did you get started? Well, I mean, this this really goes back to my father, who who got involved, I guess, forty some years ago now, and uh, it's hard to believe we had a 
piece of a couple of horses that we got in with with Billy Houghton back in the day, and a couple of them turned out to be pretty good. And a, a couple of years after that, we ended up with a horse named Damneris, who um, ended up winning the initial Breeders' Crown. There's a two-year-old pacing filly, and what often happens in this business, you go from a few good winners to having lots of horses, and we now have a pretty large breeding operation out in western Pennsylvania, and um, we've had the opportunity to win the Hamiltonian with American Winner. We have uh, BJ's Pleasure and all her her um, her um, foals, and um, we have a pretty good uh, family over there of trotters, and personally, I ended up cleaning a lot of stalls, having a chance to work with some good trainers like Billy Houghton and Jimmy, Jimmy Tactor, and got my trainer's license when I was around 18, and um, then headed off to New York City after college and started off at the big ad agencies um, and worked at, at places like Ogilvy and Young and Rubicam and helping big brands kind of, you know, build brands and, and transform and um, ended up starting Conversion back in 2001. And it's been called by some people as the first real social uh, agency because we recognized back in 2001 that the ways the, the people were communicating was changing dramatically even back then. And um, we work with large brands ranging from Johnson & Johnson to IBM. And all of a sudden, um, you know, my horse days have always been, been there in the background. But this is kind of a full circle for me. We had some talks with the USTA. The USTA, to their credit, recognized that the harness racing really missed the TV era and were at the cusp of losing kind of the Internet uh, era and wanted to do something about it. So here we are today. Now, Rob, I had the luxury of uh, using Conversion a little bit when I was at Buffalo Raceway. Uh, and I'll tell you what, I really liked the uh, program in itself. Um, did, do a lot of tracks use the program uh, that you know of? Well, we initially the first year we had about 15 uh, tracks involved at a certain level. And, you know, to take – take a little bit of a step back um you know one of the first things we recognized when we started to get involved is that the sport didn't look like anything like a major sport should look like in in the online digital world and if you think about today in a world where you know the reality is really based on ipads and iphones and mobile and desktop and people aren't going to sporting events sometimes like they used to you know, that's the world that we have to live in. And we had nothing really to be able to communicate with them in the, you know, the fans and the way they want to be talked to, where they want to be talked to, how they want to be talked to. And if you think about today, you know, there's 100 million hours of video being watched on Facebook per day. There's 500 million tweets per day. There are 200 million users of Snapchat. You know, these are the places that we need to be and communicate with, and we had none of that. So the first mission was to build a foundation, start to do some things that the other major league sports have so that at least we have some platforms to begin this initiative. And so we built a harness racing fan zone, which is which is really, you know, if you think about it for the casual fan, we, we know where to send them. You can send them to the USTA site or track sites, but that was inside baseball. It was a place where you can just introduce them to the sport, for, so they hopefully they walk away and say, "Hey, this is kind of interesting. I, you know, I'd like to learn more." Uh, we built mobile apps for that, so that it's available on iOS and Android. So, if those are your listeners who have, you know, or, uh, iOS or Apple, you can go to the iTunes Store and they could download the app. We created an ambassador program so that fans can actually tweet and and communicate in social media, and they collect points, which can be redeemed for everything from bobbleheads to you know other types of rewards. But the, but the idea was that the platform and this foundation is only going to be successful if others really get involved with it. So the platform has been built, and we've had really good participation from some good tracks. Buffalo was great. Uh, Hoosier has been fantastic. Northfield, you know, some of the work with the Meadowlands. 
Um, and we've actually had really good success. Um, and it, interesting, I was down in uh, Australia earlier this year showing our initiatives to our international brethren. And we've had really in, good interest from Sweden and Australia and other countries in terms of potentially getting on board with this because they recognize one thing. And that is, you know, we view ourselves very regionally, but the fact is we have one global brand for the sport. So, you know, the harness, it's a harness racing brand. And that's what we need to nurture. So, you know, whether you're in, you know, New Jersey or you're in, you're in, uh, you know, um, Illinois or you're in Australia, in the digital world, everybody looks like their neighbors. And um, so we've had good participation, but what we're really looking for this year is we're, we're at an important point in time where we have to really scale this and get more people involved um, and more tracks involved and more horsemen involved to take this to the next level because, the foundation is only as good as it is to be used, and um, we're uh, we're really hopeful, and we have some important meetings coming up at the USTA meetings in March where we're going to be looking for more support. We're going to be looking for more of the horsemen groups to get involved and get their hands dirty and really take this to the next level because this has really been the first real marketing initiative that the sport has done in, in many a years, as you guys well know. And people can debate tactics, but I don't think any of us should be debating whether we should move forward and, and, you know, go big and double down or kind of go backwards and go back to where we were a few years ago, which I don't think anybody really wants. Well, you know, Rob, social media is definitely taking off. I mean, it is the new thing right now. I mean, you you know, even in politics, I mean, you're seeing guys like, you know, Bernie Sanders and Donald Trump who are certainly getting a lot of support via social media and a lot more support than they would otherwise. And, you know, you hear it said all the time that social media is like word of mouth on steroids. And even, you know, even on a smaller scale like our show, we would never be able to be where we were or where we are without advertising on Twitter, without advertising on Facebook, and the the greatest thing is, is that it's free, and you see a lot of tracks start to jump on board now. I mean, giving weather conditions, track conditions, changes. I know Mike Carter does a lot of that at Northfield. He did a lot of that at Buffalo as well, and interacting with customers. Do you think that the sport of harness racing is as a whole where it needs to be as far as social media goes? We're we're not at this point. We we but we're much further along than we were a couple of years ago. I mean, we're light years ahead of where we were. The fan zone actually last year, if you think about impressions, and that's like the number of times people see content that you're you're producing, right? It grew from in 2000 from 64 percent. It was 13 million in 2014, all the way up over 21 million in 2015. If you t- talk about the online buzz of conversations that are happening in Facebook and Twitter, which is you know we can measure that, and you know brands are always measuring well how much how much are people talking about us. It grew um, it actually grew 28 percent last year, and um, if you if you look at the thoroughbred side of the world, they grew 36 percent, but again they had a triple crown winner, so they had a lot of stuff going for them. Um, the Hamiltonian, the online buzz about the Hamiltonian grew 150 percent in 2015 over 2014, and some of you may have seen this harness racing and history video we produced, um, and it it has over 600,000 views of you know people. So really good momentum, right? But um, we have a long way to go. And some of the things that we can do, frankly, um, you know, it's it's really getting more tracks involved. It's it's getting more people involved. I say to everybody, you know, who's, who looks at this initiative and say, you know, be part of the solution that you want to see. And we're actually even having conversations with the, you know, the NTRA and some of the thoroughbred folks about things that we can do collaboratively. Because in our view, we view things as harness racing, and then you know there's you know we have the thoroughbreds. But the truth is, to the average casual fan, and we're really trying to go towards new fans. By the way, we're not just reaching out to the you know the current fans, although we want them involved too. 
um, there's there's lots of opportunities that we're looking at together. So things like Facebook is creating a, a new initiative called Sports Stadium. We're doing the NFL March Madness to kind of you know produce content to get to that network. Well, you know, there, if we do it as a horse racing brand, there's a lot of power there too. So. Good, really good things in place. The foundations are in place. These are the same foundations that Major League Baseball has. These are the same foundations that the NFL has. You know, the thoroughbreds, you know, there's America's Best Racing. We now have pieces of that. Um, we need to take them to the next level. I don't think anybody's satisfied that, you know, we have, we've done everything and we've solved everything. That there's, This is just the beginning of where we need to go. And that's going to mean more investment, time, money, attention, support from everyone in the industry who wants to see us move forward. Because the beautiful thing about social media and digital, and this is about digital transformation for the sport, is even niche sports, this is the perfect outlet. The uh, surfing, for example, surfing created its own over-the-top television channel, uh, which is, you know, basically going around the cable networks and delivering video and programming directly into the hands of the people who want it. Um, we're in talks about a harness racing channel uh, with Roberts, connecting it into the fan zone so that people can really kind of tune into this high-level pro- programming. Surfing even did it. And they have 20 million viewers tuning into some of their big events. So we do have a a global fan base um, and there's no reason why we can't be producing and getting that content into the hands of people uh, so that they can get more involved with the sport. Will that, what does that do? I often hear from folks, well, is that more handle at the track or is that producing more owners? Well, Ultimately, it will. Um, but like all marketing, there's the AIDA principle. There's you know awareness, and there's interest, and there's desire, and there's action. And this is a long journey, and this is something that we have to stay committed to. But uh, we're taking some really good first steps. Rob Key joining us. Rob, one final question before we let you go. Social media, of course, like we've just talked about, is uh, right now is at the pinnacle. It's kind of peaked. Um, do you? What is the next? greatest thing out there in your opinion is there a next greatest thing beyond social media that could be like an advertising tool or or anything used by the racetracks well i think what we say is that all media is now social and you know media is a way that people just connect with each other to share content etc so you're seeing more and more platforms emerging snapchat happens to be one of the big ones right now but i think one of the greatest you know things that really will transform is you know, yes, we missed the television era, but I think we have to recognize that television has changed, that television isn't going away, but it's now about creating your own direct channels and getting it into – people are bypassing cable networks, and they're delivering it directly to your phone and direct, directly to um, iPads, et cetera. And there's tremendous opportunity for us to be become the media. We can't rely on third-party media to talk about us that much anymore, that we have to produce really good content getting it into the hands of the people who want it, bypassing some traditional channels. And that's not going away. That is that is the absolute focus of where, you know, a lot of the companies we work with uh, are putting a, most of their uh, budgeting, budget dollars for marketing this year and, and, and going forward. So it's, it's an exciting time. And, um, and whenever there's a technology change like we're going through, provides opportunities for those who are really willing to kind of um, to kind of embrace it. And um, I applaud the USTA for taking a step here, but this has to go beyond the USTA, and we got to get everyone else involved. Times are certainly a change. And, Rob Key, we certainly appreciate you joining us on the program. Very, very interesting stuff. And uh, we'd like to have you back soon because I'll tell you, this stuff is really interesting, and I agree with you. This is the direction I think that the sport needs to go. Thank you, guys. I'll be happy to be back anytime. All right. That was uh, Rob Key from uh, Conversion, CEO and founder. Uh, also, uh, does a lot of work with uh, the USDA and, of course, the 
Harness Racing Fan Zone, and uh, we'll definitely have Rob on. That was Mike. That was interesting stuff. I learned a lot from that conversation. Yeah, definitely. He had a lot of great info, and uh, we are really glad to have Rob on. Uh, he, he he gave me some good uh, information, you know, percentages-wise, and that, that definitely uh, is a huge, huge indicator as to what people are talking about on social media. He said that Hamiltonian was talked about 150% more on social media this year or the previous year than it was the year before. So that uh, we're definitely gaining some traction, and uh, it'll be interesting to see if we can work with the NCRA and a couple other outlets. No question about it. Well, we've got a lot left on this program. It's just getting started. We've got uh, the voice of Hawthorne Racecourse, longtime voice of Chicago Racing, Pete Galassi, will be joining us here in just a moment. We also have Winnie Morgan Namath. Of, uh, she's gonna, it's going to be the first of a four-part series about new vocations. That's coming up, as well as some uh, other things. We've got a lot more coming up on Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be right back after this time out. Did you know a MagnaWave treatment can relieve pain? Reduce inflammation, improve movement, and increase blood oxygen? Call Maria Ringler, a certified MagnaWave practitioner, at 302-922-0917 to schedule your appointment today at your own barn. Like our Facebook page, Essential Touch LLC. Check out our website, TheEssentialTouchLLC.com. Catch the wave! We're back with both time with Mike and Mike. Mike Bozich, Mike Carter on this uh, Thursday afternoon. Actually, not too bad in the Chicagoland area. Not too bad of a winter. I can't say that for uh, the place that I left for a month uh, in Philadelphia, a little bit south of there. Is there uh, still digging out from that massive snowstorm that they got in that area? But the Chicagoland, for once... I think has been spared, and hopefully it will be spared until February 9th when, when I go back out east. But uh, we're joined now by uh, Pete Galassi, longtime Chicagoland track announcer, longtime voice of Hawthorne Racecourse. Pete, I certainly appreciate you joining us, my friend. Hello, gentlemen, and uh, Mike, you're welcome for me asking you to come in and fill in for me, and because uh, you missed all the snow. <laughs> well, I certainly appreciate the weather, people, and, and my good friend Tom Skilling, of course, who I grew up on, the longtime weatherman, being very, very me kind to me. Well, well, listen, Pete, we're you know we're, we're going to have some fun here in this conversation. We're going to talk about the old days and and you know how you got started. But first things first, let, let's get this let's get this thing out of the way. Um, of course, the reason I'm standing here today um, and, and in your booth today is because uh, you know you've had a, a battle with health and and uh, you know what it. it it seems like that uh, you know what you're coming back around, and you'll be back up here in a couple of days. Why don't you fill us in on on the, what's going on with with the health situation? Okay, we'll start from the beginning. In 2007, I was diagnosed with uh, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. Had treatment in 08. It came back this uh, 2015. It came back, but more aggressive. It was in seven lymph nodes in the bone marrow. So uh, it, it was a grade three this time around, and my doctors felt that if um, if I didn't try, if I wasn't eligible for a stem cell and it came back in a couple more years, they may not be able to treat me because I couldn't use the same chemo that I used the last two times I had cancer. So went under a series of tests in uh, November and December to find out, uh, yes, I was eligible for the stem cell. And when I had uh, with a stem cell transplant, it was uh, autotagalus, I believe it's called. It's with my own stem cell, so I was very fortunate with that had the stem cell transplant on the 23rd and uh, been recovering ever since. I'm actually 
uh, headed out to the doctors uh, later today, and I'm actually going to head over to Hawthorne for a couple of races tonight and plan on calling the races on Sunday night, hopefully. Fantastic. Well, you know, I know that, you know, when I've called you and talked to you, like I called you the other day, and of course you're walking, so, and I, I think you get, you're walking a mile a day, so you're actually staying ahead of it. Talk a little bit about um, kind of like your, your physical rehab, so to speak, of, of how you're trying to stay in shape and, and trying to beat this thing. Before I do that, Mike, let me tell you that if anybody that's listening or anybody that knows somebody about to go through this or has gone through it, feel free to uh, have them call me at Hawthorne, and I'd love to discuss it with them. But, uh, yeah, basically I'm getting a blood test every week, make sure my blood counts are good. Uh, I still go out with a mask. I I really have no immune system, so I have to avoid people with colds. Uh, Can't be around little kids, can't be around pets, can't be around elderly or sick people. And uh, to build up my stamina, I've actually got it up to a mile and a half this week. So a lot of walking uh, and things like that. Be careful what I eat. I can't have certain foods. Everything's got to be cooked. I can't have any fresh fruits or vegetables. I'm a, I've got to be careful on uh, those types of food because of bacteria. So I have to be careful what I eat. Everything I eat has to be cooked here in my home. And, uh, and it's a slow recovery, and uh, I'll be pretty much uh, recovering for quite a while. And uh, But my doctor felt that my blood counts have been so good for the last couple of weeks that He's okayed me to come back to work. Fantastic, and we certainly can't wait to to, to have you back and, and hear you calling the races because you know what, Chicago racing certainly not the same without you uh, being the voice behind it. Let's now, okay, so we've got that out of the way. Uh, okay. let, let, let's have some fun. Let's talk about your career. When did you get started? How did you get started in the business? Okay, well, I actually uh, started ca- calling county fairs in Illinois in the mid-70s, around 76, 77, went to Phil George F., who was the great announcer here in the Chicagoland area for many years back then. He told me to try and get some experience at the county fairs. Uh, Tom Durkin left Quad City Downs in 1978, so I followed him to Quad City Downs in 1979. Uh, my daughter was about to start kindergarten, so I moved back to the Chicagoland area, became the backup announcer at Hawthorne on a regular basis. And then when Tom Durkin left Hawthorne in 1982 to go to work at the Meadowlands, which a lot of people don't remember, I became the full-time announcer at uh, Balmoral Park in 1982. I was there uh, from 82 to 2002 and then became the full-time announcer at Hawthorne and have been at Hawthorne for, uh, since then on a full-time basis. I've actually worked for the Carey family in capacities, whether it be backup announcer, regular announcer, press box, racing office, I've worked for the Carey family since 1990, and they've always been very good to me. That's and that's neat. where I am today. This, I'm starting my 37th year uh, this year. Now, Pete, uh, Hawthorne has had harness and thoroughbred before. Um, do you enjoy one more than the other, or do you like that you're able to call uh, both of them uh, 11 months out of the year? Uh, do you prefer one? Well, it's it's fun doing both. It really is because because it's a different uh, sport. Years ago, uh, when I was much younger, of course, uh, and by the way, I'm very fortunate because I grew up less than 10 miles from Hawthorne, so I'm very fortunate I get to do this in my hometown. But uh, years ago, I liked harness racing because I liked the nighttime. I liked the. I, I think harness racing, in my opinion, is more exciting than thoroughbred racing because the finishes are much closer and the night lights. I think adds a lot of color to it, plus all the driver's colors and the the different colors now on the wheels of the bikes and and things like that. But as I've gotten older, I I like doing the thoroughbreds in the daytime and having my nights free, which I will not have this summer at Hawthorne since we're racing uh, all summer long with the harness. 
Well, I have to tell you, me growing up, of course, I grew up in uh, Gary, Indiana, and my dad used to take me to Balmoral Park ever since I was a little kid. As a matter of fact, Pete, I'll tell you what hooked me onto the sport. I was running around on the apron, and I was one of the kids that would fence climb. We'd try to climb the fence, and I'll never forget the voice come across the loudspeaker and said, young man, please get off the fence. And and I looked upstairs, and you waved back down at me, and I'm like, oh, man, I'm hooked. What does he do up there? But anyway, you know, I I, I listened to the calls and, and, uh, you know, certainly wanted to be an announcer from that point. But here's the question I got for you, Pete. Now, I'm not so sure that there's any announcer out there in the sport today that can say that they called five races on a mile track and then when the lights came on, they switched to the five eights. Do you remember that? Oh yeah, I remember it big time. It, it was. And of course, uh, we're talking about Balmoral Park for for those of you that that might. Balmoral right, because, Park had a mile track without lights for a couple of years, or maybe just a year. I can't quite remember. Then they had the five eights, and and they kind of ran a, a a little bit of a twilight situation. But talk about that, Pete. Yeah, it was actually more than a couple of years. It was probably three, four, maybe even five years because uh, we had the 5-H track, and that was lighted. And then uh, Balmoral extended the mile track, which was always there, even from the Lincoln Fields days back in the 20s and 30s. They just finished it. So we would race on the mile track. We'd get in as many races as we can during the summer, whether it be thoroughbred or harness. And then at some point, the people in charge decided, okay, now the rest of the races will be on the inner 5-8s track because of the lights so it was always uh, touch and go uh, where the cutoff would be and if there was a delay then we'd lose a race on the mile on the mile track and have to go to the uh, inner track with the lights sooner but um, yeah i love the 5 uh, to me 5 is the best is the best uh, for harness racing i just love a 5 mile oval now pete did you have any kind of uh did you have to prepare any differently? I mean, you, you get used to calling a couple races on the mile track, then they switch to the five eights. Was there any difference in preparation for you, or not really? No, but the, as, you, as you're finding out at Hawthorne, Mike, a mile track, they really are far away, especially as high as you are at Hawthorne. You weren't as high at uh, Balmoral, but uh, it, it, it's just you know it's a bigger track, and they're much further away at the three quarters and around that last turn. Now, Pete, uh, you actually you, you answered my next question was what was the uh, type of track that you like to call on, obviously a 5.8, but it, it, has there been a favorite track that you call that, you know, maybe besides Hawthorne, maybe you've filled in or maybe you've called a race from? Well, you know, I spent 20 years at Balmoral, uh, you know, and I'm still associated with, you know, I was always associated with Balmoral. I had a lot of fun there, a lot of memories, and Hawthorne, you know, I've, I've been there since as I said, the 90s, but when I used to go up, I wasn't able to do it this past summer because of my illness, but when I used to go up to Minnesota at running aces, I liked the way they built that track because I used to go out on the outdoor apron and call three or four races each night from out there because it was in the summer. The weather was great. The sight lines are great. You didn't even need binoculars. You can call from the apron, and it's just you're so close to the racetrack there, and uh, I I really enjoyed my time at uh, running aces up in Minnesota. Long-time Chicagoland announcer Peter Galassi joining us here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. Pete, who were some of the announcers that uh, you looked up to when you were growing up? Well, Phil Georgeff, of course. You know, I grew up listening to his races all the time. Gil Levine used to do the harness at uh, Sportsman's Park during the summer. 
And uh, speaking of Tom Skilling, Channel 9 News used to have a late news report with Carl Grayson. It was called Nightbeat. And every weeknight they would always show a race from Sportsman's Park. So, uh, you know, I'd stay up late just to listen to that. Tom Durkin, in my opinion, was the best that ever was and ever will be. So, you know, you take a little bit from each announcer. And, you know, there's always that step, There's always that thing, do you want to be entertaining or do you want to realize these people are betting millions of dollars on your races? And there's always a fine line there. And I've tried to do some entertaining but not get carried away like some announcers do because I never want people to think that I'm the show. Right, Pete. Now, Pete, you know, a lot of different announcers have their ways of preparation. I know some guys that color. I know some guys that memorize different things or repeat horses continuously. What's your little thing? What's, what's kind of your comfort zone as far as preparing for a race? Pretty much everything you just said. I color my program, especially with the thoroughbreds. Uh, I also uh, memorize, I, I recreate the race before when they come on the track during the post parade and while they're scoring down in the harness or while they're warming up in the thoroughbred. I recreate the race. Let's say Amtar Hanover's number one. I'll say it's Amtar Hanover going to the lead, and so-and-so is second, whatever program number they are. And just try and repeat that and memorize it that way for the few minutes and then hopefully forget them all after the race is over. All right. Pete Galassi, voice of Hawthorne Racecourse. You'll be hearing him in the booth in a couple of days. And, and of course, uh, you'll have a mixed meet coming up. You've got the harness coming back in May. And then, uh, well, the thoroughbreds before that. And then uh, the thoroughbreds towards the tail end of the year. So, Pete, you've got your hands full, your plates full, and we can't wait to hear you back in the announcer's booth come Sunday. Well, Mike, I appreciate your kind words. I appreciate it. I was glad you were able to fill in for me, and uh, you did a great job. And I'll see you in a few hours. All right. Sounds good, Pete. Take care, my friend. Thank you. All right. That was uh, Pete Galassi. And you know, Mike, one of the things that I remember about Pete the most, and you heard the last two words, thank you. And one of the things that I remember about Peter Galassi the most, especially at Balmoral, because that's kind of where I spent you know most of my time when I was growing up, was he would end most of his announcing uh, little segments, whether he did promos or whether he did changes or whatever, he would always close with the words, thank you. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Pete is a class act. I can remember, Mike, back to when uh, I was at Colonial Downs and just kind of, you know, practicing here and there. And I called it, I would call him and I told him, I said, Pete, I'm ready to, you know, I'm calling the. 10th race at Colonial Downs, and he said, I'll make sure I have the TV guys record it, and he, you know, he, he would talk about announcing styles, but he told me flat out, you know, you're not a screamer, that's a good thing, well, you know, what have you, but he, he didn't act too busy, and that was a big thing with me, with Pete. Yeah, I mean, I you know I'll be the first to admit. I mean, when I first started at Hazel Park, well, I'll tell you, I was uh, I was all over the place. I mean, you know, and then I think as you mature as an announcer and you know you get older, you kind of realize, you know, hey, you're not the show. The the four legged uh, horses out there and the drivers, you know, that are basically. Um, you know, in a, in a dangerous profession, risking their life, race in and race out, and the trainers and all them guys on the backside—that's that's the show right there. And and uh, you know, and that's one of the things that that Pete's kind of ingrained in me is is you know I've grown up and kind of matured as an announcer. And and uh, you know, he's absolutely right. But uh, certainly a great interview, and uh, we will hope to have Pete on as uh, maybe we get into the uh, harness meet 
uh, in the spring as far as Hawthorne is concerned. Well, we still have lots to go on the show, Mike. We've got Wendy Morgan, uh, Wendy Morgan Name, Winnie Morgan Namus of New Vocations. She's going to be joining us, and she's going to tell us a little bit about uh, what New Vocations does. So we'll take a time out when we come back. We'll have Winnie and New Vocations. You've got post time with Mike and Mike. Ryan Macedonio back here with another preview for my interview with Meadowlands owner Jeff Corral. He turned the tables on me and asked me an important question. You spend time with your family? Sure I do. Good. Because a man who doesn't spend time with his family can never be a real man. Find the full episode of this interview and the rest of the Trotcast episodes on the Harness Racing Fan Zone app, HarnessRacingFanZone.com, Stitcher Radio, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, and iTunes. Hi, my name is Winnie Morgan Nemeth. I am the Standard Bread Program Director for New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program. We are the largest racehorse adoption program in the United States. We take retired racehorses that are coming off the racetrack, and we transition them to riding horses. Once they're transitioned, we post them and make them available to our audience, and they then get adopted into approved and monitored homes. Um, We have serviced the harness racing industry for the past 23 years. Um, Our service is that we can provide a great home for owners, trainers that are retiring their horses and want to know what they can do after the racetrack. Um, It's been very successful in that it has really brought people that didn't know anything about standard bread or harness racing it brings them to the sport. It gives them the chance to own a horse that's seen and done so much. Um, and so many times when we're talking with our adopters that come to see the horses, we also get the chance to talk about um, the sport. And so once they get their horse home, it always happens that they want to go to the track. They want to see, you know, what their horse did um, before they became a riding horse or when they were tired. And it just is a great win-win situation. Um, obviously, the horse, you know, speaks for itself. The Santa Red is an amazing breed, and it offers so much more. Um, they can drive their horse and ride their horse, and that really has been an avenue to give these horses um, another job that a thoroughbred or another breed can't offer. Our standard breds can offer that. To find out more about New Vocations Racehorse Adoption Program, you can visit our website, which is www.newvocations.org. We are also on Facebook at New Vocations. You can like our page. Um, We have over 65,000 likes on our Facebook page. We post all of our horses that are available there. We're also on Twitter and Instagram at New Vocations. And as we said, we do thoroughbreds and standardbreds. But I'm a standard bread program director, and we will be focusing on um, standard breads that have come into our program. Um, current ones available uh, in the past for the past three years, we've placed over 130 standard breads a year um, into approved homes. Maryland Horse Council and the Maryland Horse Industry 
Industry Board, working together to promote the horse industry in Maryland. Follow Friends of Maryland Standard Breads on Twitter and like them on Facebook. Welcome back to Post Time with Mike and Mike. Mike Carter joined alongside of Mike Bozich. And, Mike, I'll tell you what, uh, this show has been a lot of fun. It's uh, had its uh, emotional points, and it's had its great points. And I'll tell you what, talking with Peter Galassi was so much fun. And to hear that he's doing so much better is uh, is definitely a, a positive side. Well, certainly, and as much as fun as I've had filling in here, Mike, I mean, you know, this is uh, this is Pete's thing. I mean, Pete is the voice. He's been the voice of a long time for Chicago racing, and it's it's certainly not the same without uh, without his voice narrating the action. And, you know, he's going to come up uh, Sunday, and, and he's going to finish out the meet. And, you know, I'll tell you, this Hawthorne meet's gone very, very fast, Mike. It's only 22 days, and it doesn't seem like I've been here a long time, but tonight's already de- night 15 on this Thursday, and, and uh, so after this is only uh, just a few racing days left, but it's certainly been a lot of fun. But you know, it's not the same without without Pete narrating the action here in Chicago. Exactly. Well, Micah, uh, we've got some great sponsors, and we want to highlight them. Uh, without them, this show would pretty much not be possible. And uh, I tell you, we just picked up one of our newer sponsors in new vocations, and Winnie Morgan Nemeth. They've got a great, great cause, and uh, we're very happy to have New Vocations on with us. Yep, and it's the first of a four-part series you just heard. Next week we're going to uh, get a little bit of an update on some of the horses that she has. As a matter of fact, one of the Iron Horse finalists, Activator, uh, is a uh, a product of New Vocations now, so maybe she could talk a little bit about him next week and some of the other horses that they have, but they certainly do a very, very good thing. Don't forget about our good friends, uh, Essential Touch, our good friends uh, Marie and Rich Ringler, and... um, 20% 20% off, Mike. All you have to do is go there and say, hey, I heard this on Post Time with Mike and Mike, and boom, you could uh, take some money and uh, put it in your pocket because you'll be saving 20%. So we certainly appreciate them. Of course, Friends of Maryland, Standard Breads, our good friend Clarissa Coughlin's uh, done an outstanding job uh, over there, and uh, she's uh, certainly a big supporter of the show, and we appreciate that. And, uh, of course, our uh, newest um, sponsor, uh, Fantasy Trotcast. And our good friend Ryan Macedonia, who, by the way, we might have to make a deal with him because I'll tell you, he makes the greatest commercials. And I remember talking to him, and I was uh, saying, Ryan, do you want us to do these commercials? Oh no, no, Mike, I got it, I got it, I'll do these commercials. And, and you know what? And he, and they're very creative, adds a little bit of spice to the show. So we certainly appreciate Ryan and his support. And listen, if you get a chance, he's got some great interviews uh, on uh, SoundCloud. He, he's he's at a million different places, so you could catch Ryan. Uh, and he's got some great interviews, good in-depth interviews. I like to call it the lighter side because although they, he talks serious topics with uh, these guys and gals, he also brings out a little bit of a lighter side. And, and I, you know, I think that's important when, you know, you're doing an interview to, you know, lighten things up a little bit because, hey, these horsemen and track owners and track announcers, they, we've all got our likes and dislikes and, you know, lives outside of racing. And, you know, that's some of the, some of the things that I don't think get brought up uh, nearly enough, Mike. No, of course. And I sat down, uh, Mike, and I listened. He actually has an interview up right now with Jeff Garrell. And if you haven't listened to it yet, you need to sit down and listen to it. Uh, he definitely opened up a lot with Jeff and talked about, you know, the Meadowlands and uh, Tioga and Vernon. And it's a very informative interview. I learned a lot of things about Jeff that I wouldn't know without uh, listening to it, some of the charities that he gives to and things of that sort. So 
these are some interviews you definitely do not want to miss. Yeah, he's even got an interview with myself on there as well. If he didn't, if he didn't delete it already. <laughs> but uh, no, on a serious note, check out all of Ryan's interviews. Very, very good interviews. And like I say, he, he you know, he, he touches on the subjects that need to be touched on, but he also talks a little bit about you know the lighter side and some of the things that you know the horse people like to do away from racing and some of the charities that they're involved in. And you know, hey, sports teams, favorite sports teams. What do you like to do away from the racetrack? Things like that. So very, very good interviews, and we certainly appreciate. Uh, Ryan supporting uh, this very program, Mike. Yeah, definitely. Uh, real quick, a couple of news headlines here in Harness Racing. Uh, reminder, racing resumes to the Meadowlands on Friday night. They had a heck of a snowstorm come through there, uh, not just the Meadowlands, but the entire East Coast, and they plan on racing a 14-race card starting at 635, featuring a $25,000 open handicap truck, uh, who has had a different winner each week since live racing returned last fall. How how awesome is that? Yeah, winter racing's always been very competitive there and uh you know, although it may lack the you know, some of the stakes uh esteem from, you know, the 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 summer and fall meet, uh it, it the winter meet's always been very good for handicappers and gamblers because you always get a lot of good value out there. The races are always very competitive and uh this winter's certainly been no different. Now, at Northfield Park, and, uh, you know, i got to brag a little bit because it's the track that I'm at now, but Dreamy Fella has scored his fifth straight victory at Northfield Park. So we got a horse that's on a uh, five-race winning streak, and I'll tell you, this is a four-year-old who is owned by Chester Roland of New York. And Dreamy Fella set some pretty nice fractions uh, last night, but what makes this horse even better, Mike, is that um, it's the 10th career start for this, uh, horse dreamy fella he raced in new york and canada and was beaten in all of his first five races and he's turned right around and won five straight uh, i think he likes the home of the flying turf yeah certainly there's a lot of horses that you know that throughout the years traditionally that have maybe not raced well on other surfaces but they get to northfield park and they you know race extremely well and of course we had aaron merriman uh, who's uh, Northfield Park leading driver, but also was the uh, Dash winner in 2015. We had him on the show uh, last week and had a chance to talk to him about Northfield Park a little bit. And uh, we hope to have Ronnie Wren Jr. You know, Ronnie Wren, from my uh, my neck of the woods, Michigan. We got to get maybe Ronnie on the show in the next couple of weeks. And you know, they I'll tell you, they've got a, a great little thing going back and forth there with Ronnie and and Aaron and uh, all the great drivers and horsemen at Northfield Park. So we hope to have Ronnie Wren Jr. on the show in the next couple of weeks. Yeah, definitely. And Mike, uh, we're we're not going to go too deep into this topic, but we uh, here at Post Time are working on a very big uh, a very big deal for the end of the year. So uh, that's something we are working towards, and we really appreciate all of the fan support. Last week's show was probably the most listened to show we've had since we started, and we couldn't do this without the fans, Mike. No question about it. I mean, that's what it's all about. That's, uh, you know, why uh, everybody, uh, you know, straps up and uh, and gets it done in this business is because of the racing fans. And, and you know, they're always uh, fantastic. I mean, I always make it a point, Mike, Hazel Park, Harris, Philadelphia, here at, at Hawthorne to kind of walk through and talk to the fans and kind of get their feelings about things. And, and they're obviously a very important part of the uh, the wheel that goes around. And, and uh, you know, that's that's one of the things that, you know, we as an industry have to have to do is we have to listen to the fan because you know when they tell us they they want something, it's very important that we keep those fans around and create new fans. And and I think that's uh, you know that's what we're all about, and that's what we uh, aim to do. 
Yeah, I definitely agree. I know uh, when the hardest meet started at Hawthorne, there was, uh, you know, they, some fans that had asked about, you know, takeout rate, and Hawthorne responded. So definitely there's tracks out there listening to their fans. And if you don't, uh, if you've got a gripe, bring it up with them. Don't be afraid to bring it up because I'll tell you what, it, who knows, your gripe might be the next thing that uh, turns the track into a million-dollar idea. Yeah, no question about it. Well, Mike, it was a fantastic show. We, uh, I think we've got one more week that we're going to be on at 1 p.m., uh, and then after that we'll uh, we'll talk about getting back to our regular time slot. Although i got to tell you, the afternoon uh, has been quite successful, uh, you know, as far as listenership and, the, and all the positive feedback that we have. And, you know, one of the great things about – uh, this show, Mike, is obviously you can listen to it anytime. That's one of the great things about Blog Talk Radio is if you miss, uh, you know, our show, uh, if you miss it live, if you, you know, because, you know, people have things to do. And if you can't be around at 1 o'clock or 7 o'clock or whatever the time that we're on live, you can always click and you can listen to any, all of our episodes are archived, even our test shows way back when, boy, it seems like <laughs> it, it was just yesterday, Mike, but that's all the way back. And uh, you could you could get a kick out of all the, the technical snafus that uh, Mike Bozich brought upon this show. But, uh, you know, <laughs> So if you want to go back in time and listen to that, that you could certainly do that. All of our episodes are up there, uh, including the award show, which, of course, was very successful, and the nomination show before that, and all the great guests that we've had. You know, you could go back and listen to any one of them. And uh, I'll tell you what, it's been a blast, Mike. We've only been doing this for uh, a couple of months, and it, and uh, where's the time gone? We, we've certainly had a blast doing it. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I go down the road uh back and forth from Buffalo to here when I was moving. And, you know, I'd go back and I'd just listen to a couple of those shows. And, uh, you know, you can check it out on iTunes. Uh, the podcasts are all there. So there's, there's plenty of ways to listen. And uh, no excuse not to miss it, right, Mike? Absolutely not. Well, listen, we're going to wrap this thing up. We certainly appreciate everybody joining us here on Post Time with Mike and Mike. We'll be back uh, on the airwaves next Thursday with the first post at 1 o'clock. Follow us, by the way, before we close. You can follow us on social media. We'll update you as far as, uh, you know, guest list and who's going to be joining the show next week. So follow us on social media, like us on Facebook, follow us on Twitter, and most importantly, patronize our sponsors because without them, we wouldn't be sitting here gabbing. So on behalf of Mike Carter, this is Mike Bose. We certainly appreciate you joining us. We'll be back next week with the first post of 1 p.m. Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.